You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community. I'm, as always, your host, Ben Wolf. Uh, we're going to learn from our guest today uh, a topic which is near and dear to my heart, especially in the fractional leadership community, which is how abundance mentality is key to growing a business. Uh, before we get going, I do want to mention that uh, for fractional executives and leaders out there uh, who are some of this audience, uh, we have an event coming up uh, through the fractional leadership uh, community, the Professional Association for Fractional Leaders, coming up in November uh, on the on the 10 disciplines to maximize your energy. It's hosted by Rob Dubay, uh, who is the co-founder of the 10 Disciplines organization uh, based on the book uh, by Gino Wickman, uh, outlined at the end of the EOS Life book uh, about 10 disciplines to maximize your energy. So members are able, are able to join that. If you're already a member, great. If you're not yet a member and you're a fractional executive or, or part of a fractional executive firm or owner of a fractional executive firm, Check out our website, fractionalleadership.io, and uh, check out if, uh, what it means to become a member or if that's a good fit for you. Uh, with that, I want to get into introducing our guest today. Uh, he is founder and president of Stealth Venture Labs, an e-commerce marketing, quote, anti-agency. Uh, he was the founder of uh, Roost, R-O-O-Z-T.com, which had a successful exit in 2014. He was knighted by the Italian royal family in 2020. Uh, you can find out more about him at stealthventurelabs.com, and that's venture, R-V-E-N-T-U-R, labs.com. And I give you Brent Freeman. Welcome, Brent. The perpetual on mute. Thank you, Ben. Stoked <laughs> to be here, brother. Really, really happy to chat today. My pleasure. My pleasure. Great to have you here. And, and I guess before we get into the substantive conversation, I want to introduce people to you. If you can give us a quick two-minute background uh, and history on kind of like where you came from, how you got here today, just a quick two-minute background that kind of tees up, you know, why we're going to be talking about a month's mentality today and like kind of where you came from. Sure. So serial entrepreneur uh, was not the lemonade stand entrepreneur, though, um, but just looked at the world in a very different way. Um, and all, found myself into entrepreneurship as saying, it doesn't have to be like that. Uh, there's got to be a better way. And uh, I grew up in the Bay Area, went to school in Los Angeles, uh, studied abroad in Florence, Italy, um, and really discovered entrepreneurship uh, uh, through my path of, of reading. Uh, I read Howard Schultz's um, uh, Pour Your Heart Into It, and then Malcolm Gladwell's or um, Seth Godin, rather, the purple cow at the time. And I was like, wow, this, there's other people out there that think like me about how we can use business to create impact. And um, and then I just started starting businesses at a young age, um, unsuccessfully, mind you, right? Failure after in failure. Italy or? No, I came back. I studied I studied abroad in Italy, came back to my undergrad in, uh, at USC in, in Los Angeles and joined the entrepreneur program. Um, but wasn't one of the rich kids. Uh, and my family actually had gone bankrupt uh, while I was in college. And so I was graduating with $250,000 of student loan debt, needed to pay it back. And I said, the best way to do that is by being uh, an entrepreneur. Uh, I was right, but didn't realize how long it would take me <laughs> and how yeah. many failures I'd have to kind of go through in order to kind of get to the other side uh, of that. And and, uh, and with really, student loan debt not being dischargeable of bankruptcy, it's uh, it'll it'll be there waiting for you whenever you're ready. It'll be there waiting for you. They find you. Um, you know, but the 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 abundance stuff came in um, because I actually went down the first half of 
my entrepreneurial career, if not even a little bit more, uh, I really was operating from a scarcity mindset, how not to lose, how not to um, uh, lose it all. And so in, in fear based. And it really wasn't until I started to operate out of um, kind of an above the line in the love mentality or in the abundance mentality and in the surrender mentality, you know, the manifesting world versus the man of fucking it up world, pardon the French, right? The above and below the line of both of those. Um, I was I was very heavily operating out of scarcity. And what I found is that through my entrepreneurial journey is that the harder I grasped at sand or tried to create out of scarcity, the more my dreams got pushed away from me uh, like the opposite end of a magnet. And the more I pushed towards it, the more they, they the farther they went. And uh, it wasn't until that that mentality switched, which I'm sure we'll kind of mm-hmm. get into. But um, I've run uh, my first business was a commodity import export business. Uh, my second business was a, an online marketplace. Uh, my third business is now a digital agency growth marketing firm. And then I've helped co-found about 10 plus other companies, e-commerce businesses and other uh, brands as kind of the, as co-founder. Um, and so uh, it has been quite the journey. And you know, uh, here I am, I'm 37 uh, and I'm I'm going on my 16th year of running, being an entrepreneur. Nice. Well, yeah, I do appreciate you teeing that up. And I get, before we get into the real topic today, I just got to ask you, what is the story of being knighted in Italy? How did that connect to your entrepreneurial journey to the extent it does? I don't know, like, yeah. what's the story there? It's kind of a yes and. So uh, over a decade ago, I dedicated my entrepreneurial uh, path to saying, how do I use for-profit businesses to create social impact in the world? How do we embed cause into our cogs? And so as our business and profitability scare, so does our social impact, taking care of our team members, uh, causes, uh, all sorts of stuff, teaching entrepreneurship in the inner cities of the United States, you, you name it, we've kind of done it. And so Fast forward 2019, um, I got nominated uh, to be knighted by the Italian royal family through a series of connections. The Italian royal family is no longer in power uh, in Italy. They left power after World War II, became a parliamentary democracy. Um, and um, But they, the royal family kept on the tradition of knighting and daming handful of people every year. And uh, what they what they do now is they're a philanthropic chivalrous house that uh, helps uh, causes uh, and uses their power and their influence to support causes all around the world, philanthropic causes. Um, and they use- so not their- necessarily with a nexus to Italy? Um, yes, and in Italy and outside of Italy, um, it's all over the world, uh, helping chivalrous causes um, uh, around typically children's chivalrous causes. Uh, and they now use the knighting and daming. It's a thousand-year-old house. It was the family that unified Italy um, in the 1800s into one country, where previously it was a series of uh, provincial states. Um, and they unified Italy into the country we know it to be to be today. And so they uh, they carried on this tradition. And I got nominated. And you go through a whole process of interviewing and this, and you have to be somebody who is dedicated to. Um, to doing good in the world and have a kind of proven track record. And I was fortunate to have that. And I have Italian roots and heritage. And I, I live in Italy kind of two months out of the year now. Um, and I was confirmed um, in the middle of a pandemic, 2020, found out, sit in my house under lockdown. that I would be, uh, I was going to be knighted. And, and so the ceremony was actually postponed. It comes up this December in, um, in New York. <laughs> in New York. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Um, the, the, uh, 
I guess the first thing I would say talking about this topic is, is, you know, as I said in the introduction, it's near and dear to my heart, the topic of, of abundance mindedness, abundance mindset. Um, it's, it's really core to the, the fractional leadership organization. Every fractional leader, every fractional executive that joins that community, that professional association, you know, applies and they talk about our core values in the application. And we talk about it in the screening interview and, you know, we, we, we've just been very clear that, you know, people who are always looking over their shoulder at their competitors and like, you know, uh, you know, again, just living in that scarcity mindset is just not, not a fit with who we want to be and who we are as a, as a community, as an organization. So it's just core to me. It's why I call the podcast win-win uh, because looking to see how any engagement, any interaction, we can make a win-win for whoever's involved. So that's why I'm so interested in this. Um, but I guess I would love to hear a little more details than what you said in the introduction to maybe, maybe how, you know, what it looked like when you were, when you were living in that scarcity mindset, cause I'm sure a lot of us can relate to it. And then how did that evolve or how did abundance mindedness just walk us through, how did abundance mindedness become so core to your entrepreneurial approach to business or, you know, not just life, but business. So I, I love I love this topic uh, because this is I think when you strip away everything it, it breaks down to it's like core root foundation um, where where I have gone wrong and gone right in my life in trying to create the life uh, that I believe I was put here on earth to to live and, and have the abundance um, mindset isn't just, oh, think positive and everything's going to happen. The abundance mindset is a cellular level. I believe things are going to happen to me in a good way. And there is enough out there for all of us um, that I don't need to hoard um, in a manner that creates uh, scarcity or fear or anger or frustration um, but for me, it didn't quite manifest in such black and black and white. It, it, the scarcity mindset manifested in a actually a really strong desire to be successful, to break out of the financial burden that I was experiencing and I saw my family experience, to try to quote unquote make it so I could have some financial freedom. Um, not because money motivated me, but because I saw what happens when you don't have money and what the, that that can create and bring. And so it wasn't like, uh, oh, I'm so angry and I need to screw people over. It was more like, oh my God, I want this so bad. I want to create something so bad. I want to, I want to have my, not just financially, I want to, I want to have this vision for a marketplace for socially conscious brands. And I, I wanted to build it and I wanted to see the reality of it. But what happened to me, I know this now, I didn't know this then, is that business you 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 said in the in the in the intro successfully exited? Well, it exited. I wouldn't call it successful. Mm -hmm. Successful in learnings. It was not successful financially. We sold it, but for parts, and I lost mm -hmm. a lot of money in it. And the only thing I was left with really was the learnings. And um, when I went back and looked at that venture and what went wrong there, um, it was uh, I was operating out of such fear. Uh, and I was operating out of, um, like I said earlier, grasping at sand so hard of desire of wanting to create something that it actually, I was so hyper-focused on the grasping at sand that I wasn't open to the universe, the market telling me like, oh, 
maybe if you just look over here, you're three feet from gold. And in that, in that three feet from gold, that's where it is. If you were just open-minded, but I was so busy trying to create and do and build and do it. I was just closed-minded. I can only do this. I have to focus, I have to focus, I have to focus. That I wasn't open to actually the, the, the signs that the universe was sending me that I was, I was literally adjacent to a gold mine. Um, and I didn't stop to say, okay, let me take, get some white space and, and, and really kind of examine and take a step back and say, well, scarcity tells me I don't have it and creates separation between where I am today and what I'm trying to create. And that separation creates a feeling of lack. And that feeling of lack is actually what, if you go into the law of attraction terms, is what actually pushes it away from us further, no matter how hard I want to have that thing or create that thing. It's not a matter of desire because what's happening, if we go back to Napoleon Hill and thoughts are things and thoughts become realities, the challenge with this is that it's not just thinking positively or setting goals and visions. It is putting the thought out there of I want this, but then the magic is when you feel the emotion now of what you're trying to create in the future but don't wait to feel the emotion of what you are trying to create in the future to feel that emotion. What I was doing is I was saying one day when I get there, when I raise the money, when I have a successful financial exit, when I you know, get to this, when we're just this big, when it was always a then and then and then, and it was like running full speed with a carrot in front of me, no matter how fast I ran, it pushed away. It was, this, it was equidistance far away and sometimes even farther. And then the more I ran, the more exhausted I got. And I stopped believing in that, not just believing in the vision. I actually, it, it, I, I, I was feeling emotions of doubt, fear, anxiety, um, anger, frustration, right? Because I wasn't there, jealousy, my friends or people doing it around me. And what was happening is I was putting all this visionary things out there, but I was feeling these low frequency emotions and that's the taking the at the ends of two magnets and having it be polarity and, and the harder i pushed against it the harder it pushed away from me and ultimately when that business failed um and what what i realized is that um i needed to change the way that i felt now and today not wait for an outcome not wait for the money not wait for any of these things or the perfect partner or spouse or whatever to feel fulfillment, wholeness, happiness, joy. I could actually feel those now. And if I felt those emotions now and wasn't waiting for it in the future, I know that in the future it's going to happen because I'm already feeling those emotions. I'm not attaching my emotional uh, happiness to something in the future. And now what I've done is I flipped the magnet around and it's kind of, it's drawing towards me. And so this is kind of the more advanced version of scarcity versus abundance. And if we get into a little bit more of the scarcity mindset versus abundance, the scarcity pushes what you're trying to create further away from you. The abundance mindset says, if it's money, most people is, but some it's not, if it's money or the perfect, you know, husband or wife or partner or whatever, doesn't matter. If I am in fear that I'll never get that, but I really want it, I'm actually pushing it away. That's in scarcity. If I can surrender to I'm whole and I feel good being alone or I feel joy or happiness or fulfillment or contentment or what I already have, but I still have these goals. I'm actually drawing it closer to me. The money thing is the most easy thing to count. 
money is really funny. It's just it's just paper we make up that we add value to. It's just ones and zeros in a bank account. And and if we think take the take the opinion that money is scarce, money's not scarce. Money's everywhere. It's being more and more created everywhere. But if we take if we take the opinion that that money is already mine and it's already out there and that that money is there's so much money out there that everybody can create it and build wealth if they want to and it's just it's out there and what would it feel like when i get there and we just run an exercise we say all right ben when you have a hundred million dollars sitting in the bank whatever ten million dollars one million dollars a hundred thousand sitting in the bank Let's do a visualization exercise. Tell me the emotion that you would feel when you're there. And you and I ask people to drop in, close your eyes, and really visualize and feel in your body where you're feeling it. Well, I feel pride. I feel relief. I could exhale. I could pay off these bills. I could I could buy things for my family. I could get a nice car. I get a nice house. Whatever it is, you drop into the feeling of the 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 emotion somatically inside of your body, and feel it now. Because your body doesn't know the difference of a future event versus now. And if you really, truly feel it now, you are already one step on your path to achieving that. And that is where the abundance mindset comes in. There's enough people, there's enough business, there's enough clients, there's enough money, there's enough partners, there's enough opportunity out there that I have to trust in the universe and trust in the process and trust in the unknown a little bit to surrender to not being able to control everything or leave myself a little bit open for serendipity to happen. But what happens is scarcity takes over because we don't drop into that emotion now. And so we get into the emotion of the amygdala firing, the reptilian brain, right? The fight, the flight, the cortisol, the stress of this, I want it so bad, the jealousy, all these negative emotions. And the more that we feel those emotions, the more that it pushes away from me, away from us. So, this scarcity versus abundance mentality in my own life has been literally the story of my entrepreneurial career. And once I switched from feeling those negative emotions of fear, jealousy, and anger, anxiety, and all those things into like, I'm just going to do a visualization. I'm just going to feel this now. It's like everything started happening. And I stopped trying to control every little detail and grasp it, Sam. And I started having a little more faith in the universe, the faith in, in the market and, and, exhaling a little bit and leaving myself some white space to play the chess game, to see opportunities, to be open to listening to the market. That's when things started happening uh, it, it more and more towards what my, my dreams. So there's a lot in there that we can unpack, but, yeah. but in that, in that, in that full <clears throat> scarcity and mindset um, it, it, it's, it's really about what emotions are you feeling and what end of the magnet uh, are you attracting with right and it's really fascinating I, I was trying to like piece together because i don't know i'm i'm a, in some ways i'm more of a more of an inter integrator or analytical brain than uh you know than a visionary in some ways uh some ways not but uh so i was trying to like put everything you're saying into boxes and into a, a logical framework and the way the way what i came to by the end of what you're saying and tell me if this is right is that the abundance mindset, really, the way you're describing it, is is that belief that there's more than enough for everyone, that there's you know that there's plenty out there, that it's you know that it's there for us, for you, for me, and then the way of protecting that because that's going that's going to fall by the wayside of of your fear, without the emotional backup or the emotional protection or the 
the, the emotional protection of that belief of that faith uh, that's created by what you know what you described about you know visualize you know visualizing how would I feel if I had it and just connecting to that feeling of of all that abundance and all that good things that are you're going to have in the future uh, and but connect to that and feel it now. What the way I, the way I understood you to be saying is that that's a way of protecting that belief because otherwise you know I guess it, you know it wouldn't last. So it's a way of protecting it so that you could continue to have that belief in the face of you know again not yet having all that abundance scarcity is there's not enough to go around and I need to hoard and I need to protect. And I am, I am. So I have a, a really beautiful, wonderful human of a mentor. His name's Alden Mills. And uh, he was a former Navy SEAL commander, platoon commander twice over. Um, and he then went on to found uh, the perfect pushup. Um, and he's now a motivational speaker and he's done a, a lot of really wonderful things. Um, Alden uh, describes the following. There's the line, your, your equator, and then there's above the line and there's below the line. And uh, it's really simple. Above the line is love, below the line is fear. If we're operating out of a place of fear, we are creating things like anger and jealousy and frustration and scarcity. If we're operating in a place out of love for ourselves, for others, for what we're doing, for the universe, for opportunities, we're in a place of abundance and creation and elevated emotions. And so to answer your question in this, I, I think about it like that. Like when we're below the line, when we're in fear, we are operating out of a place that's not enough and I need to hoard, I need to protect. Now, certainly there are times like the first thing that comes to mind when I say hoard is my grandmother who grew up in World War II in the Blitzkrieg in London no rations of food and this and that right and so late in her life um even now when she moved you know when she had moved to the states you know her closet was filled with canned food and all that because there was always a scarcity mindset of one day there will never be enough um and so i i'm i'm removing some of those traumatic experiences aside because those are a little bit different of how to how to take those PTSD type experiences, those trauma-based experiences and, and switch them into abundance. But when we go into like fear-based uh, decisions of, um, I don't want to refer this to my competitor because I don't want them to get ahead. Um, I don't, uh, you know, I don't want to, um, uh, I'm afraid that I'm not going to close this sale. And if I don't close this sale, my I'm going to go out of business, right? These are scarcity mindset items versus uh, because we're trying to control everything. And the truth is, as humans, we can't control everything. And the sooner we can realize it, the sooner we can start understanding how abundance works. There is a certain amount of magic of trusting in the market and trusting in the universe uh, uh, that needs to happen of giving ourselves space and time to remove uh, just space and time to either analyze the market, to get out of like really high stress and into a little bit more of a flow state so we can make better decisions. That helps us switch from scarcity into abundance but when you've had when you when you are when there's trauma there especially in any way shape or form it is a regular practice because we have a a brain that has a negative <clears throat> and then negativity bias tells us be afraid be fearful protect yourself it doesn't tell us it, the brain isn't isn't set up right. for self-actualization it's set up to avoid you know to avoid pain yeah. Right. So so what happens is the is the scarcity mindset is the, is kind of default, especially in our world. Yeah. And until we have proof that's that abundance starts to really work, uh, actually, we, it becomes harder for us to trust. And so we try to control. Um, and the hardest thing to do, I mean, this is EOS speak is let go of the vine. Right. Uh, the hardest thing to do is run full speed into the dark and jump off to the cliff, hoping you're going to fly, you know, hoping there's a, the parachute's going to open. 
but in abundance it, for for your your listeners for folks that are in scarcity and are saying well that's great it, you know it's not just think positively like the tactical thing to get over from from scarcity into abundance is to say okay what's one way i could take great i'm in scarcity yep you're validated to think the way you are you have every reason to not trust or to whatever it is great that's awesome and what's one way we could reframe that let's just let's just try for sake of an exercise great that's your output what is the 180 degree other way to say this oh i'm not going to close the client i'm not going to get in the business is going to fail and this is going to have a great okay awesome i understand that's your position let's reframe it i am going to close the client that would feel amazing here's what it could do for my business and here's what that would then trigger and i'd get more clients or you're right, I'm not going to close the client, but you know what? There are other clients coming down the line. And if I close that client, it wouldn't make space for the most ideal client that's coming down the pipe that I don't even know is about to be introduced. And abundance is a practice, just like meditation or yoga or going to the gym or whatever it is, or religion. It does, abundance is a practice. It is not something that just comes naturally. Um, it will become more and more natural over time, but it's something where we have to constantly catch ourselves like, oh, I'm in scarcity. I'm feeling fear. How do I switch it to love? Love is abundance. Abundance is a high frequency. How do I switch it over? How do I reframe it? Just that practice. Then you get into things along the lines of how do I counterbalance the negativity bias? And for every negative thing that I feel, they say it's three to four things you need in positive. I need like 10, right? Mm -hmm. And then getting into the reframing or the or mantra, you know, mantras around like, I'm not good enough. This is never gonna happen or two. I'm great, I'm capable, this is gonna work. I'm great, I'm capable, this is gonna work. And you just kind of repeat in in that mm -hmm. to retrain your brain to re-fire and wire neurons in a new way. So over time, like a muscle, you start to build that muscle memory and recognize when you're in that abundance, uh, in that scarcity mindset, how to get it over to abundance. Yeah. Yeah. It it's hard, you know, especially when people are starting, like when people don't have enough, actually don't have enough right now yeah. of, of the things that they need, whatever, money for their house, their family, their kids, whatever it is that they, you don't know how you're going to make the month. Yeah. You know, it is, it, it really is a, it's a leap of faith to even want to do those exercises or do those imagination exercises because well, why, why would I think that there is more than enough out there? That's not what my experience tells me. Uh, so it's, it's kind it of a leap of faith because, right. Well, like, I, I guess, I don't know if it comes to this, like, say like, well, you know, you could, you could just believe it because you want to believe it. Like, that's a better way to live with that mindset. Like, it's a happier sure. way to live. So I could just choose to want to go in that direction and give it a chance. Or to take inventory is what I'm doing. It's really simple. Is what I'm doing working? Is what I'm doing working? And it's a binary question. Yes or no? If no, why don't we try something different? Right. I think what happens is we get so stuck. By the time we're 35, our our our, our patterns, our default mode network is kind of like hardwired. And so by the, like neuro, neurologically, it becomes harder to shift and change. And so you have to, in order to change those patterns and behaviors and thought processes, you have to kind of open your mind. And there's different ways to do that. There's meditation and there's activity and there's psychedelic therapies and there's a regular therapy. I mean, there's there's a whole myriad of things that that can change the neurology of, of your brain in this. But But it comes down to, is what I'm doing working? If no, how do I do something different? Some mm -hmm. people... 
they get to that, uh, I can't, I won't, I don't believe, I don't have resources, I don't have access, I don't have any of that stuff. In today's world, you know, for a $10 investment a month on, on Audible, you can download every book on tape. I'm dyslexic, have ADD, can't read books, so I listen to them. But, I, you know, 10 years ago, I discovered listening on Audible, and I've listened to, you know, four or 500 books now, whereas I hadn't read a book in 10 years prior. So people have to kind of like push themselves and get into the growth mindset of how do, is everything I'm, is what I'm doing working? And if not, then how do I make a change and try something different? We think that it needs to be such a big effort, but, um, you know, creating new habits is just like, don't go to the gym. If you haven't worked out, just put your shoes next to the door there. Step one, do that for 10 days in a row. Then take your shoes and go outside and walk in your driveway. Do that for 10 days in a row. Do right. And then slowly, slowly, but surely you're gonna be like, well, this is silly. I'm gonna go to the gym. Right. And then all of a sudden you've built like these compounding habits that you've stacked over time. I think step one for folks that are in it, I'm not discrediting or disvalidating what they've been through or the trauma they've gone through or what they've seen and the distrust. And it comes down to, you can't motivate people to change unless they want to change themselves and they're ready. And so if what they're doing isn't working, then it's time for change. And it doesn't need to be big change. Just experiment, try some things. Just humor yourself and saying, if I am pessimistic, by the way, they did studies on pessimists and optimists, which you can kind of tie to scarcity and, and abundance. And people who are pessimistic live on average 10 years, I think I forget the exact number, and on average about 10 years less than people who are optimistic. And this is because what happens when you're in pessimism or when you're in scarcity, you're in high stress, you're in high fear, and your body is in constant cortisol. Yeah. And when you're in constant cortisol release, your immune system shuts down. So you don't fight things better and, and it leaves space for disease to come up and you don't eat as healthy because it's not a time to, you know, think about it because you just, you're in stress. When you're in abundance, you start and you're in optimistic that things can and will work out, even though you don't know how. Um, you, you, or your body is more regulated. So there's all sorts of health benefits to, to this process, right. but it starts with that simple reframe. Actually, it starts with the catching of like, I'm feeling scarce and I feel scarcity here. Yeah, me too. By the way. You, is it, is it, is it here for you? Yeah. Right here in the stomach, right there. So that, that is it. That's for me is a signal to say, okay, I'm feeling scarcity. How do I create white space? The neuroscience behind this is high stress. You have, we have different brain waves. We have beta brain waves, which is consciousness, low, medium, and high beta. Low is like this. We're having a conversation. Medium is like, oh, I'm going to be tested. I always pay attention. High beta is, is cortisol. Then you go into alpha, which is flow state. Then you have theta, which is kind of the hypnotic dream state. And then you have delta, which is asleep. We oftentimes don't get into theta very often, um, but that's your suggestible subconscious state where you can start to really change the way you think about things through your subconscious mind. When you're in high stress or in scarcity, typically you're in the highest of brainers, beta. And what happens is you get into, for me at least, you get into analysis paralysis and I loop and I fragment and I go into these things and I can't solve and I can't, and it builds up and I feel it here. And it's actually my signal to take a step back to try to break, to pattern interrupt, to try to break with that and move into either an activity, to go for a walk, to go do something, to watch TV, something, to pattern interrupt, give myself some white space so that when I come back, I can try to figure out either how to reframe it, what's good about it, what's joyful about it, what's another way to look at it, or what's another way to solve that problem. And it becomes, again, it's just a practice. The right. more you do it, the more it becomes bespoke. Yeah, That's some, this is um, some awesome, awesome, 
awesome ideas here, uh, you know, and just in a few pathways, I guess, out of scarcity and fear and fear mindset, uh, which I appreciate you sharing. Also makes me think of uh, as a famous statement in the Talmud uh, that it was reminded of when you spoke about the uh, the polarity or the the when you use the magnet analogy, uh, reminded me of a statement in the Talmud that says that one who pursues anger, anger runs away from him. Uh, not anger, sorry. One who pursues honor, honor runs away from him. Mm. Um, and you know, it's a similar concept when you're just so desperate for it that no one's giving it to you. And, you know, when, when I was starting off also, like if, if you, if you smell of desperation, when you're trying to get clients or when you're trying to succeed, nobody wants to work with you. You want to work with a winner, not with somebody who's desperate. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter. You put that in any aspect of your life, attracting a partner and a spouse or clients right. or employees, or, you know, it's, it's, that is the scarcity energy. It's, it's right. low vibration. It's below the line, you know, and right. And the hard part is when you're in that is how do you get in to the abundance side? <clears throat> it's, it, it is a tremendous amount of trust. I am not yeah. a guy that is like, Oh, I live my life all the way in abundance and everything is happy, joy, joy. It's like, no, that like the reality is that joy is a practice. Abundance is a practice. It takes investments in daily. And when our bodies and our minds go back to scarcity, which they always do, um, and we will always have these triggers it becomes the practice of how to reframe and how to counter, how to consciously counterbalance that. And again, it's just the simple step is first you notice it's there, notice in your body, notice what you're feeling, and then just humor yourself. What would be an abundant reframe of this? Try it. And then repeat that to yourself a bunch of times. And then the more you do that, the more you'll start to believe it, right? And then the more you start to believe it, you'll start to get proof that it works. And the more you get proof that it works, the more you'll do it. It'll start to compound on itself. But yeah. it's like a sprinter getting off a starting block. It's very inefficient at the beginning before you get into your gate. All right. Yeah, it's awesome. It's great stuff. Look, Brent, I really, really appreciate you coming on. I'm glad we got to talk about this. Again, people can find out more about, about what you're up to at stealthventurelabs.com. That's venture, V-E-N-T-U-R, stealthventurelabs.com. Uh, really appreciate this. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it. And everybody else, we'll see you on the other side. Thank you. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.